What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and all folks all around, wherever you listen to us at. It's the Big Old Bell Podcast. It's Thursday. We're ready to get live and talk about a ton of things in wrestling this week. Uh, First off, especially since our um, other co-host, Damien, is also being affected by this. Hopefully, everybody in Texas are, you know, doing your best right now in these really strange times. Like, I, I, I talked to Damien for about an hour today. And I told him I was so ignorant and thinking like, I thought it was just an anomaly of it just snowing down there. And I was just like, wow, but like they're really suffering down there. So I can't trust enough to all the people um, down in this prayers to you all. Um, definitely uh, during this really crazy time for you all. And meanwhile, us here in the DMV, the Washington DC area, we're also getting a little snowstorm, ice storm of our own. So, but we're all good here and we're here to ready to talk about uh a ton of things going on this week. Uh, Sellers just joined at the very, 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 very last moment. But uh, let's clutch factor. Fames, Mr. Hill, Will, the John Crab Jamal, and Sellers is joining. Gentlemen, how y'all doing tonight? I'm pissed. <laughs> uh oh, coming in hot. <laughs> I've been waiting for this <laughs> rant. I'm trying to see. He said he needed five minutes. I'll give him ten because I'm ready Look, for this. I'm, I'm, I might just solo screen him real quick. But all right. If, if that's the case, you got some things you want to say, then let, let, let you uh, get it off your chest really quick, dear sir. So, uh, what, what, what you got, man? 73 episodes of AEW Dark uh, has, been a, has come and gone. And for the first time, AEW, in their infinite wisdom, decided to radically change the dynamic of the program. Now, if you're looking at Dark and you're wondering, well, who cares? It's just the tune-up show. It's if they don't do house shows, so they do dark. Fair. I care because they got to come from somewhere. You got to bring in new people and bring them into the fold in AEW. You got to set some kind of precedent for somebody to be there if they don't have the notoriety that Sting or Brian Cage or somebody like that does. It would be easy to say, like, oh my God, this person just ran out and not knowing who the hell they are. Um, but on Dark, there's a little bit of familiarity there. So what they did was, now Dark started out to be a couple matches uh, at the taping of the live events. Since there are no live events, they used that time to bring indie wrestlers in to Jacksonville. Um, and what started out to be an opportunity to do some work turned into maybe an actual tryout, maybe a low-key audition, uh, maybe an actual rise to prominence on Dynamite. So, yeah, the final exam of your, um, basically your job interview in, into AEW would be a really good match on Dark. It's actually caused some controversy in the past as a guy like Island Angels, down currently five in the Dark Order, had a really damn good match with Kenny Omega and the internet got pissed because who is this guy Wearing a buck fifty soaking wet and 
why is he having a four and a half star match with Kenny Omega? Doesn't make sense. But that's what Dark does. Until Tuesday. When they absolutely fucked on it. Why, I don't know. The rumor is, is that, well, the Dark is too long. Well, they went from four matches to eight matches to 10 matches to 17 matches. And they were encroaching on Nova Pro territory where they would just have a match that would be a fortnight long. I mean, it, it, it was a bit long where they would consistently have two and a half hour long shows uninterrupted by the normal things such as commercials and, and other set pieces. It was just 16 matches continuously. Yeah, that's a bit long. But it's an AEW production. So they have the time to craft the show they want to build. So why not do that? And what they did was is that they basically stripped everything from it. There were some new wrestlers that made a debut in AEW. Drake Maverick's wife, Renee Rochelle. Her entrance, that would have been a theme song, some time in front of the camera, you know, a little bit of a backstory as she's coming to the, the ring during her introduction, that got reduced to the jobber entrance, where instead of her being presented to the camera, it was, hey, she's over there in the corner, her name is Renee, and the, and the match started. <laughs> who does that help? It doesn't help me, the fan, know who the hell this person is. It doesn't leave a good first impression. And if you're not doing that, to ingratiate fans to new talent, potentially long-term talent on Dark, then what the hell is the show? If you want to give them the work to have tune-up matches, you don't have to air it. Just have them do the work and try out in front of the trainers. If you want to put on a production, well, do that too and make it a production. Make it an actual show. Dark used to be from the AEW Green Screen Control Center and hosted by Tony Schiavone and Dasha. They did away with that, and now it's hosted by the commentators, uh, Taz and, and Excalibur, and that's fine. I don't mind tweaking the product. Hell, I don't even mind, you know, the longer matches. I don't mind seeing the people that you that you bring in. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. You don't really know who's going to be there next week. There may be somebody that you've never heard of that's like, yo, sign that guy. And there have been more than a few guys that I've taken notes on and said, like, when the indie startup, I'm going to find that guy. Or, by happenstance, you get a guy like Sugar Duncanton, get himself over naturally and organically on dark. And that would not have happened if they did what they did yesterday. So by stripping down dark, reducing the uh, newcomers to Adams um, and having 12 literal squash matches, Ricky Starks versus Casey Navarro would be a main event on the indie circuit. It was legit six seconds long. Why? What story does that tell? What does that prove? Who does it help? Why are you doing it? It's not broken. And also, it's fucking on YouTube. It's not like you run against the clock. It's not like they're going to show Bad Boy 6 afterwards. Or whatever the hell TNT movie that they re want to rerun for the 17th goddamn time. So if the internet is infinite, and there's no time constraints, then what's the problem? They did 12 matches in an hour and five minutes where 13, 12 matches would take an hour and 50. But what they didn't cut is the most telling. They didn't cut the same promo uh, commercial for Chris Jericho's bubbly drink. I don't know if this guy signed like a year-long promotion deal to promote that damn thing or not, but 
Sammy's not in the inner circle. They're still running the bubbly promo. They could cut that, but they ran it three times. There are other commercials that they could cut, that they cut for dark. But instead of that, they cut the talent. It's a talent showcase, and you cut the talent. What are we doing here? So I really hope that this experiment was a one-off. I really hope that this experiment was some kind of like extreme. Like, hey, if you guys say the dark is too long and we want to do matches, this is how we do 12 matches in an hour. Okay, well, that clearly doesn't work. And maybe we'll go down to eight matches in an hour and 20 minutes. Maybe that doesn't work. And maybe we'll go with 10 matches in an hour and a half. There has to be a bit of ground here. Otherwise, what's the point? And if there's no point to dark, then why am I watching it? And if I'm not watching it, then I guess I'll watch Impact on Tuesdays. So dark is my favorite show. Uh, it's the reason why I'm going on this rant because I'm seeing, you know, what I'm seeing happen. And if you think that it's just a throwaway show, think of it this way. What if on Sundays, the game just started at 1.07 p.m. Eastern? There was no pregame show. You might even know who the hell is playing. It's just that there's a Fox introduction and literally a kickoff and a, and a kick return. That's how the game starts. No backstory, no sizzle, no stats, no pregame show with the boys at 12, no anything. It's just game. It kind of cuts down on the experience, right? So hopefully that wouldn't make sense for the NFL. It wouldn't make sense for any sports or any presentation. It's like starting the conversation mid-sentence. Uh, you know, and, and, and honest to God, part of the thing about wrestling is – the work in the ring, sure, but you got to get there first. And you're not really helping anybody out by cutting their stuff to, to shreds and then saying, hey, ring the bell. So please, whoever's listening, um, don't fuck with Dark. <laughs> Leave Dark alone. Go ahead. <laughs> That was that was much more nicer than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> it was. Well, I'm asking them to do me a favor, so I can't tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> just don't mess with the formula so much. I mean, it's not broken. Just don't. Just, what are you doing? What, yeah, what, what, what I will what say, my number then? one issue, my number one issue with dark has been the the the, the trend towards 14, 15, 16, 17 matches on an episode. Mm-hmm. And That's fine. I, I agree with that. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And as the show has grown in length to pay-per-view era lengths, almost, I can understand being like, okay, we need to get this under control. But like you said, if it just is going to turn into, hey, we're just throwing out, here's one of our stars and we're bringing someone in. They're just a warm body and we're not worried about focusing on them at all. Then, okay, you're just doing... Yeah, you're just doing squash matches, and, and it goes against the whole reasoning for why there were so many matches, because we kept hearing there were so many matches, because Tony was very interested in making sure indie wrestlers were getting a paycheck and getting the opportunity to be featured. That's like, well, you're just using them as, you know, a warm body then. So you don't need them, then you don't need that many people there, and you don't need that many matches then, if that's what you're looking to do. But and there are other at least for them to do. You know, if they could, they could do lumberjack matches. They can have them mm-hmm. back in backstage segments. They can have they can have a number of different things for indie guys to do. I mean, everybody it's now a, a thing where MJF gets pushed off by Samoa Joe or Scorpio Sky and those um, 
um, segments with Kane and Daniel Bryan. I mean, everybody, you know, has a thing that they needed to do. Uh, Ricky Starks was in the same position in WWE. Um, it wasn't a paid position, but everybody remembers like, oh, why is Jordan Grace there the next to the ambulance all of a sudden um, in WWE um, when Braun, you know, tipped over the ambulance on Roman Reigns? Uh, you know, so so these are things, and you can use extras for that. But, like, if you're trying to put on a production, put it on. If you're just trying to get people a paycheck, well, then fucking pay them. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> just send them, them the money and, 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 and do that. If you want to be an entrepreneur... But just don't waste my time by shoehorning 12 matches into an hour. Like, yes, agreed. Key. Agreed. Agreed. I'd rather see people featured in a meaningful way than just thrown out there to be like, oh, well, I gave them three minutes so they could have a match. Yeah, I agree. And, I'm especially with you. If, if you're not going to use them afterwards, especially if, you, if it's just going to be, oh, well, we like this person. This is supposed to be their tune, tune-up match, and they get squashed in eight seconds, and then it's like, well... <laughs> What does that do? And Casey Navarro <laughs> is a damn fine wrestler, but you wouldn't know that from Tuesday. Yeah. I think that 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 statement was uh, definitely, I mean, I was raving about him like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, you know, there'll be a fool to let him leave out the door, and they Absolutely. obviously are high of him. He's been, I mean, Diamante is his, uh, his sister, um, you know, he's he's from the New York Jersey area, so he's been around all those other people like uh Sonny Kiss and all of them. So, like, you know, a lot of people know who he is, not to mention Anthony Bowen. So, like, yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why <clears throat> because of his resume alone, he should be there, but also there's a lot of people to be able to co-sign. But that, like you said, the match this week, you would think, like, who is this scrub, you know, and, right. and why should we care? And it shouldn't be that way. Uh yeah yeah that's that's always been the thing with me with dark is that uh dark is supposed to look and look as far as booking different from uh dynamite and you're supposed to be able to feel like you're at an indie show where it's the person where you don't know who it is but then you leave out like yeah definitely impressed with that person want to bring her back I mean let's be honest now when when dark really was catching you know the um steam under it that's when the internet got involved we was like we want this person on dark and then these people started to show up now it's like the, the heart of that has just completely disappeared so that's fine i don't mean that i don't really care if they if they have their uh talent scouts and they see a person and they want to bring them in and and they're like you know we're just going to put you in dark and we want to see how it works out cool I mean, that, that's what it's there for. It's their G League. It's their house show circuit. It's their, you know, final exam and training. But when you do that and you cram in 12 matches in, in you know, what, do you, what what should the fans say from that? Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, that, that's like the most frustrating part is because I watch it in the same way that I watch minor league baseball in that I'm not necessarily invested in, uh, yeah, I'm invested in the product because the product is wrestling. So I want to see the wrestling. But the elephant in the room is what's next uh, for these people? You know, how do they fit in? And there are some people that are like, oof, I don't know how you got here, but congratulations, you got here. And then there are some other people like, well, it's about damn time. Sign Willow Nightingale. Where, where is she? Bring her to dark. Bring Lady Scott. Bring, I mean, there's a number of people, and that's the revolving door that you want to see people to get in there and do their thing. And it's like that's it's the perfect platform from that because it's probably going to be the biggest opportunity that they will have had. 
And they've had some successes because Red Velvet, you know, popped up on Dark all of a sudden. And now she's involved in the high profile match. Yeah. Yeah, largely by circumstance, but it is still what it is. It's a high profile match. And she, I remember when she came in on Dark out of nowhere. You know, I remember when Ivelisse and Diamante came in on Dark out of nowhere. And, and, you know, Will Hobbs is in Team Taz. He came literally from out of nowhere. Bear Country is kicking ass. And I never heard of them before they were on Dark. And now I'm definitely invested in them. So um, don't, don't fuck with them, Dark. I need, yeah. I need that on Tuesdays. So, so let, let's talk about the other uh, product coming from the YouTube brand of AEW. <laughs> and that's the women's tournament. I mean, we talked about it last week. And, uh, you know, I think I was very adamant that this was not the right move. And you all were very clear about why it couldn't work on TV. <laughs> and, and it was no surprise that it looked exactly like Jamal said it was going to look. And to no surprise to me, the results were exactly what I thought they were going to be. Unless I was under a rock or something, this did nothing for the Japan talent with the American base. I don't. Oh, I disagree. I don't. I don't. I don't think. First of all, I don't think no stars were made. I don't think that the uncasual fan watched went out the way to watch this and or whatever ended up uh, resulting in somebody being a household name all of a sudden. And I think that would have been a little bit different if it had been on Dark. I mean, on uh, Dynamite. Because Rio coming back was grease lightning hot. Unless that's just how they paint the cameras don't working uh, and how, how they plan towards the crowd and whatnot. Everybody was excited that she came back. Um, a hell of a match, number one. And I th- like I said, that if they would have had Rio work with somebody and, and, and put on a match to the caliber like her and um and Serena Deeb did, that's how you make somebody. You make that person you, you and I, and the, and like to be honest, you really just book it just like the May Young Classic. You make people like uh, uh, Miko Sotomayor. You may have, I mean, you should know who she is, but if you didn't, the May Young Classic, you definitely were your your eyes were glued open. Like whoever this is is a real deal. That way now, already in NXT UK, she don't need a big razzle-dazzle about who this is. She worked one match, and now in two weeks, she's in the title match because you know she's the real deal. And I feel like they could have took that same recipe and working somebody with Rio to establish that person, their gimmick, their talent, their resume, working with somebody real that everybody in America knows and giving them an opportunity to shine so that people can say, like, that person's the real deal. Win or loss, and I just don't think putting all that Japan talent with that aesthetic on YouTube did nothing for that side of the bracket at all. Uh, this is why I disagree um, to most of that, um, and that's because I'm not going to say that the talent on the Japanese side of the bracket should be household names. Um, I do know of Emi Sakura because she's been wrestling forever in Japan. And back when in like the late nineties into early two thousands, when I was really into Japanese wrestling, um, you know, that predates her, but her name always kind of came up, you know, in the early two thousands. So I know she is and she's trained everyone. So when I see her 
and I didn't really do any homework on this. Like, obviously, everybody on Discord and everybody on on, on the internet and and stuff are you know really jazzed about Mackie Ito. Okay, cool. Um, you know, Vinny was another person of interest. All right, cool. Uh, Yuka Sakasaki was already in AEW and has done some work. Aja Kong was already in AEW um, and and did some work there. And then um, Mizunami was in. Uh, the first All Out, I think. But then again, that felt like 30 years ago. So I really don't remember her there. So, yeah, this was exactly the touch on the dark ran a little bit. This is exactly why you need the, uh, the, the presence there. Now, unfortunately, much like what they did with Dark, they didn't really sell the tournament in a way that I thought they should have. And I, and I will say that that's a, that's a problem with AEW. Um, the presentation was kind of whack, and they didn't really like. It was an hour. They did they did the four matches in an hour. Okay, cool. And the matches were great, but they didn't really sell the talent. And because it didn't have the production level, I really needed a lot of back information to be filled in. And Excalibur did a valiant job of that. But if you're not going to wow me with you know uh, ambiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I need you to put on a five-star match. And to be fair, the work outpaced the imagery. Um, mm-hmm. Except for Maki Ito, whose whole gimmick is that she's a former idol who, you know, turned to wrestling because it's kind of the same gimmick. And that's fine. That, that's, that's all fine. But as far as did it make anybody, uh, you know, star a star, that really depends on how more, much willing you are to dive into Josie wrestling in the first place. If you listen to, if you heard the match and just went like, I can't deal with the screaming, everybody's screaming at each other. They don't, they, they, I can't believe them because they're all four eleven and 85 pounds. Then you're probably not going to buy into the bitch anyway. But if you're willing to go along with it and you're willing to give it, you know, a chance and you don't see a person that you don't like, then I don't know what you were watching because the matches were fantastic. And personally, I need all the Mesa Ruger merch I can get my hands on this side of the Pacific. <laughs> but I think if your interest was already peaked, this is you, you can definitely wade further into the water. If it wasn't, then you never had a chance anyway. Yeah, okay, I, so- I, I, I'd say I think that nails it in a lot of ways. One of the issues I think AEW has, I think we've talked about a lot on here, is a lot of, I think, what they put out there is already aimed at their their core audience that knows what's up, and it's them preaching to the choir. If you're into this, here's more of what you like. But how much of appeal does this have to people who aren't already on board, who people aren't already watching? That's the thing. I think with that show, with that show needed, from what I saw of it, listen, the, the production was lacking. When we used to joke about the uh, the um, the shows the that Ring happened of Honor TV. No, no, no. When we were we talked about the shows at the, at the beginning of the COVID era that happened from the sex dungeon. The sex oh, dungeon yeah. looked way looked way better than this damn place, <laughs> I mean, and that was rough. So it's like you get over the initial, you know, presentation to what you were saying. I think Excalibur tried his damnedest, but I think that works best for you know, hey, if you're just going to throw out stats and throw out names, that works best for people who already know the product, who already know what they're dealing with, who are already somewhat familiar. With things, I would have liked to see some video packages show some hot highlights of these people before they get in the ring for the first time on this yeah. show. 
They Show somebody, done give me some, what Ring of Honor does yeah. now. Hey, yeah, ima- imagine them having a sizzle. I was going to say, imagine them having an issue with doing that on YouTube time. Hell, put that joint on one hour before this gets started. That is an easy no-brainer of things they should have done. Yeah, they, there needed to be some sizzle, some extra yeah. sizzle, some extra effort put into introing these people and just some something. It needed something more to otherwise, I think, attract any eyeballs. Looking at it right now on YouTube, it's done 264,000 views in three days. I <laughs> Yes, I guess that's, I mean, world worldwide, I mean, compared to a lot of the AEW videos on their channel, check, that check, number is pretty high check, compared check, to a lot of the videos on there. Check what being the elite did this week. Yeah, that would be a good comparison. I got to go to a different thing. But just looking at the p- first page of recent AEW drops, that's more than a lot of their stuff. But again, I think that's preaching, preaching to the choir on there. Go ahead, Salas. What's your thoughts on this? It's it's kind of interesting because I'm I'm seeing the two flip sides. Like I'm seeing like I was really intrigued to what you were saying, Jamal, of just the whole dark perspective and the presentation on that. And then I'm thinking about how this this woman's tournament is. And then two change, you actually said something that made me think about the May Young Classic. Um, I'm just thinking about those three dynamics of how this presentation is and and where they can go improve and where they can fix things. And it's it's so. It's interesting because it's like, okay, AEW has the potential of doing so many great things because of the talent they're incorporating, how they're trying to do this cross-branding and whatnot, but it's like it's failing on all aspects. Now, I haven't seen any of it yet, unfortunately, but the fact is I'm just basing it off the potential of what they could do, and it's kind of disappointing where it's like it's not living up to what they could be, and it's like, why aren't you just taking full opportunity when you have the resources and the way to do it and to have the, the, um, the tools to do it where you can do it across many scopes? Uh, of making sure this is great. So I, it's, it's just interesting to me. I, look, here's the thing. We live in an era now where if you didn't watch it, if something spectacular happened, then... You'll know. You'll know. You'll know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, that's the thing. Like, it should not have been treated as, you know, as Secondary. something that... Yeah, it, it, it should have been... It should have had more... It should have had more dignity to it. And... The, the the talent again being a part of this is special because we talked about last week how it could have been other people involved here. So if you did pick these people, then tell us why these right. people are here. And right. then if we and then if you if you you know haven't established why, then convince us as to the person's resume so we can say, oh, that's why. You know, right. let us go with our own belief. But if you're not giving us nothing, <laughs> we don't know nothing. Then then what do, what are you actually doing for them here? And I think that like it's a missed opportunity. And mm-hmm. I and I and I think that the Mae Young Classic, regardless, winners and losers, everybody That's came something. out That's with a something. bigger platform there. Like yep. even even like when even going back to the Mae Young Classic, I can even tell you like some of the best matches came that came out of there. Miko Sadamore versus Mercedes Martinez, Io mm-hmm. Shirai versus uh Tony Storm. Zaya Lee versus Karen Q. Like, you know these things because they took the proper time into establishing who they were, giving them a small video package that went, what, like, what, three minutes? Mm-hmm. Showed if their even. background. And then, they, and then they went in there and they did the thing. And I think that's just more or less what, you know, not to say, like, they had to go the WWE way, but, like, they should let the fans know, like, and, and you know what? You know what else is kind of funny? What if it wasn't these, uh, you know, this this talent of people that you know. Even some people know. What if it was just straight 
brand new people. Like, what was what was the name of the um the wrestling promotion they were originally going to work with, and that just never amounted to anything? Oh, the one out of China. Yes. What was it AWE or OWE oh, or something O-W-E. like that? Oh, O-W-E. yeah. So, so, yeah, so like, what if they had to like that, like? Whatever they had went back with that route, and then it's like, well, let's bring these people in because you remember how bad, well, high Holly, I shall I say, they they raved on them about like you've never seen nothing before if you've never seen them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yet they never invested in that; it never amounted to anything, and so on. So obviously, I'm guessing that the same mentality is like, hey, you go, you guys have never seen none of these people wrestle before. Wait till you see them wrestle now. And I know that had to be the idea of them putting together this tournament, wanting to do that. But mm-hmm. then again, outside of their own brain, they should have took the same, that same enthusiasm, put together a being the elite episode or whatever you wanted it to be, and put these people over. So, like, again, like while the wrestling was the wrestling and it was good and you would expect it to be good, nothing trending came out of this. Nobody was established after this. And you know, if they don't even mm-hmm. return back to AEW. You don't even go out the way to wonder where they came from to go look for them more because this showcase of talent was never really a showcase at all. Well, I mean, yeah. to say that no one was established is is a bit misleading because, like, who are you talking established to whom? Because, to be fair, if you're looking at uh, these talents, just because they're unknown to America doesn't mean that they didn't get a bit of a bump in, in Japan. I, I agree and with that. And, and, and I do think that to be fair that, you know, a person, for example, the Internet darling, Maki Ito, um, it's not that she isn't, you know, this may be her foot in the door into America and the ball is a little bit more in her court. Um, but that's all also because she's a social media darling anyway, and it kind of had a, a little bit of an Internet buzz, kind of like the Japanese version of Warhorse. Um, yeah. What it's worth, yeah. but a better wrestler because Warhorse sucks. So <laughs> the idea is... Um, she comes in, she loses the match, she does a thing, and that's, you know, whatever. And that's fine. Uh, but to say that she doesn't get, you know, a little bit elevated is is a thing. And, and obviously, I think the way that the tournament is shaping out because of the how it's designed, especially since it's going to enter the pay-per-view, you can kind of pick at it a little bit more and say that it wouldn't really make sense to bring this unknown person from Japan that's unknown to America to give her a title shot. And then she wins it. It's kind of like the Santino Morella thing that they did in Italy, where they picked a random guy out of the thing, and then he won the IC title, and it was a hooray moment. Obviously, it was a work, but it's kind of like, who the hell is this guy? Well, but but see, but see, that's that's the thing. When you looked at the Mae Young Classic, the idea was never ever for it to be the person who was who. The idea was not for it to be the person that was already established. Tony mm-hmm. Storm wasn't going to win that. Io Shirai wasn't going to win that. But because, um, what's her name that got injured? Um, Tegan uh, Knox. Tegan Knox, who was the one for two years now that they wanted to build. And because that didn't work. And then the first year when she got hurt, that establishes Rhea Ripley. No need for her to win because they established her as a monster heel. But Tegan Knox was the baby face that they wanted to build. And because she got hurt, they had to go to option B. And that was like, well, shoot, Tony Storm then. But she was already established because of what she did the year before. And what I'm getting at is that if they would have did this right, Rio versus anybody on that Japan side, that person puts on a good match, that person's instantly in a bullseye all the fans like, oh, that person's legit. And then you take somebody else 
And you know, even if you 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 uh mix them up, you you put like a Serena Deep with somebody who's been established for years, mm-hmm. you'd be like, this person took that person to the limit. None of that, none of that has came, has came about. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel like they 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 probably should have geared towards a little more. And I, and here's the other thing, Jamal, because mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about how on the Japan side, this is absolutely a win. But I would have to imagine the agreement has to be, well, what do you want and what do you want? Japan obviously wants to say, we want American territories. We want exposure. No problem. AEW, we're killing it in the numbers. We got this going. Our YouTube numbers are this, blah, 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 blah. Anything that we put them on, people are going to see. That's. I think that's a great assumption. And then I think AEW have to say like, well, we want to bring in a new talent. Kenny was high on this person and we want to work with you all. We want to create a working relationship and so on. Sure, easy business. But at the same time too, what Japan wanted, I think was an assumption that went so far that they never realized that, well, just because you're in AEW doesn't automatically make you a star. You still has to be a little bit of preparation and presentation to it in order for it to mean anything. And I feel like maybe that's what AEW uh, philosophy is now. Maybe they think like once you come in the door here, you automatically, your premium goes up and you just automatically a better person. And while that may be true for some people, then you go back to things like Sugar Dunkerton said and you'd say, well, that isn't entirely true. Just because you work there doesn't always make you better off, you know? So I, I, I just think that there should have been a little bit more effort, a little bit more dignity in the presentation for uh, the Japan crowd. And that has nothing to do with the, the dojo or anything, whatever. It has everything to do with the promo, the videos, everything. The promotion and leading up into it to make that seem like it's much more important than what it was this seemed like extra youtube comment like like hey if you want to get this tournament subscribe to AEW's patreon you can check this out like that's almost what it felt like yeah so i, I will mean, say this too oh, go ahead marcellus oh, no, I, I would just say this i will say this too because two change you you said something that kind of resonated with me when you think about these platforms and this is just real quick when you think about a moment that these platforms need to have and i'm, I'm sorry to bring a male into this perspective because i know we're talking Uh-oh. about women but no, no, no. When you talk God about like, the Cedric Alexander moment when he oh. was in the Cruiserweight Classic, Absolutely. those are the type of things that you would want to have. Like when he fought Kota Ibushi, even though he lost, that made him a star in mm-hmm. the public eyes, the internet's eyes, the wrestling community's eyes, even though a lot of us knew him from his local performances here in the DMV. And that could be arguable. But right. But it still made him a star on the map. So like it's like you don't do their due diligence if the opportunity for at least one wrestler, one performer doesn't have that type of moment, even in a loss. Just to add just to add to Koto Obuji may not even be a name that you may have been familiar with. But the way how they built him up, they said this person, one of the hardest strikers in Japan. And when they instantly compared them to Shinsuke, you're like, oh. <laughs> okay, right. like if I thought Shinsuke was the goat because he got signed, and then you start comparing it to him and saying he's the he's a harder hitter and more agile yeah. and younger. Yeah. Oh, I need to see like, and that's the thing we knew, we knew when we saw that line that matchup on paper, we knew greatness was going to happen, and then it happened. But mm-hmm. that's also with our knowledge, with the presentation built up and everything, and it delivered. And I think yep. that's exactly what could have happened with the women's tournament if they would have took just that extra step. Yeah. I mean, it is it is kind of interesting because a lot of that pre-production could have done been done in America. 
Um, and, and you think about the Mayon Mayon Classic, and I believe with the Cruiserweight Classic as well, they had a pre-show, an introduction show. Um, yes, like the, the tournament of contestants yep. or whatever the hell yep. it was. That's it. Yep. Yeah, um, bracketology deal. And then they did no, the, the, the yeah, when everybody came out and they showed them and yeah, they, the, they the, did the different countries and stuff like yep. that. Yep. Um, so they did that thing. That was a separate deal, and then that was just before the thing. Uh, also, the Bayon Classic, if I'm not mistaken, isn't for anything. It's kind of like King of the Ring. It's not like it's for a title shot at the pay-per-view, or it's not like it's for uh, Money in the Bank, or it's not for a Royal Rumble appearance. It's just a showcase tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They, From the very beginning, whether it was the pageantry of the introductory uh, bit, showcase, the matches, obviously the showcase, and then, of course, uh, the, the winner gets crowned at the pay-per-view. Cool. The problem that, that I have with the AEW Women's Tournament is that they booked it. Why would you book an, an eight-week tournament in four weeks? Why would you and, – and God only knows what they're going to do next week because they still need to show three matches on the U.S. side in two weeks. Yeah, the, the way they made it sound last night is that everything's going to be done next week. That they're going to wrap it up. And it's like, yeah, why are you, if you were going to book so many matches, you're just going to rush it out the door like that. It's like, what, why book like, such know, a big tournament if you can't host the tournament? They absolutely could have started the Dynamite after the pay-per-view in March mm-hmm. and yeah. booked it up to the next pay-per-view, which is Memorial Day. Ima- imagine them doing the tournament in March, the biggest month of the year for tournament. Well, they don't have to do it. In March, but they could have done the, the, the tournaments and, you know, and prefaced it in March. They could have started the St. Patrick's Day and then they could have um, done the thing uh, all the way up until um, the pay-per-view where it's fine. Or hell, put the final on Dynamite, which sets up the pay-per-view and the final could be on the go-home show, which, of course, sets up the pay-per-view um, on the show, uh, uh, which is the next week or the next weekend. I mean, there are a lot of different things they could have did, but instead they decided to do it the way they did. And we're waiting for the Americans to finish where the Japanese finished a couple of days ago. They want to have either have two matches on YouTube, which is what I think they're doing because putting the second round on YouTube is makes much more sense to put in the first round on TV. So, <laughs> I mean, like, could you imagine having like the NFC championship game on like Fox sports West instead of channel five? <laughs> yeah, no, and again, going back to the NCAA tournament in March. Yeah, could you imagine if the Final Four was on like one of those random like, other like True TV or something? Yeah, True like, TV. <laughs> like you're looking station. for the Duke game, and it's on like Access TV. <laughs> that, you know, that's a, Destination America. <laughs> right, like, I've heard that channel in a long time, <laughs> dude. Okay, really quick, because I want to switch subjects real quick, and everybody can answer this really fast. What? Is the logic but beyond b- behind this happening? Like, can somebody just tell me instantly? Like, why would they ever execute it in the way they did? Why? Because Jim Ross is old and he doesn't know the difference between the AEW championship and the WWE championship. <laughs> <laughs> just some letters around, right? So A, it's a W. <laughs> so I think they, I oh, get the yeah, feeling. I, I get the feeling they get very lofty ideas, but they don't think ahead on actually executing them and what it's going to take to do it, whether it's a matter of the time needed to devote to it or just over assuming on, well, we know who all these people are and our fan base knows who all these people are and not thinking like 
you need to think beyond that. You need to think beyond that to growing your company and put in the work to get more eyeballs on your show by saying, look, we're going to show you how it's done. We're not going to assume you know everything and make go the idea of you're going to do the homework. No, I'm not doing the damn homework. Show me what yeah. the hell's the damn deal. Put these people over. Put them over. Make them a big deal. Show me why I should care. Don't expect yeah. me to care just because you said you're putting something on on the damn internet or on, or on you know you're on your show. There's plenty yeah. of wrestling out there. I do not need to go out of my way for wrestling. <laughs> Sell me on it, you know. Yeah. So I will say this, and I agree with you, Will. That's why I think this man has been has been so successful because he always thinks beyond and the bigger picture and try to incorporate not just the internet fan community or just the wrestling fan community. You have to think big picture in that. If you have okay, let's do this and let's bring these stars, but don't have an end game of what your outcome will be, then you're going to fail. You have to have an objective of what you want to have. Yo, can I can I just say really quick that uh, Jamal's favorite wrestler, Mansoor, is a household name. <laughs> Goddamn right, he is. So, he won that battle royal. Yeah, damn it. Was it twice? But, but, but look, and I, I'll tell you this about Rio, real, real quick. Rio is so big because people knew who she was because it was new talent on AW. But the biggest thing about it was that Rio was was built to be legit because of Nala Rose, who was who they ultimately built up. Yep. So you have that person. You have your heel. You have your baby face or superhero coming and they go over, it automatically legitimizes them. It's just easy booking and it just worked out for the two of them. They're both established now. And like that didn't require me going to look up who Rio was. It's because y'all did the work beforehand. And if they would just do the same thing with the other people, it would, it would, it would prove a lot of success. But at the end of the day, like let's just be honest now, they really, really are on what strike. 2.5 2.5 of not caring about the women's division. This is no. literally another straw of like, I, there's, there's no proof in the pudding they, that they they need they need they need they need it more than anything. They need it more than a place to wrestle. They need a second show yesterday. Yeah, like whatever yeah. dark is going to be is whatever. And if they want to transition that into something, they're cool. I, I they hate need to say. I hate to say it, but Serena Deeb needs to get towards the end of her career and they need to shift her out of the ring into creative so quick <laughs> that it would monumentally change. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> like she def- she definitely has a lot. It, she has a lot left in the tank. But like I'd say when she signed, there's only like a couple of people that's on that same tier as Serena Deeb. And that's like Lufisto and that's like Mercedes Martinez. Three people that you instantly. Oh, that's still wrestling, that. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you interject into your locker room, your system, and you got instant results. And, like, they still all could, can wrestle, but at any moment, you shift them over. And I think that's why Mercedes Martinez went to WWE when Serena Deeb left, because you're like, you have to vo- you have to fill that void. And those are big shoes to fill, and only a certain amount of people can do such. And I think, like, that, there's no one in AEW that can absolutely, you know, uh, do the job that she is uh, de- definitely capable of doing right now. And I think at some point when she decides to hang it up, that position is screaming for her. And I think that's when we're going to see a change. Um, but let, let, let's get to a little bit of other stuff really quick. All right. This death match. Dang. Wait, what? what is it? What, what match is it for real, Jamal? Um, well, I don't know, actually. And that's, that's kind of what I asked you about because <laughs> I didn't see the announcement live. 
And yes. of course, the internet is saying everything from a triple threat match to a duck duck goose match <laughs> to what I'm hoping for is a time bomb match. Right. Um, if it's not a time bomb match, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah. Full disclosure, I think John Moxley is, the, is far and away the worst wrestler on the roster. And I was originally not interested in whatever it was going to be because honestly, Kenny has been underwhelming. Uh, I'm sure all the marks in Japan are going to go, what do you mean? But I don't watch New Japan, so I have no reference to Kenny Omega and his stupid shirts. So sell me on this match. And when I heard that it was going to be a exploding barbed wire match, I'm like, okay, I, what does that mean exactly? I Are we talking you. about you know exploding barbed wire, like electrified barbed wire, um, you, you know, for, not, for ring ropes? You better not say it. Yeah. You better not Are say we, it. I mean, are we talking about is New Jack going to be the referee? Like, what, are, <laughs> like, what, are we, what are we talking about? Hey, look, they are they are. Look, we already got the FTW resurrection, something that a lot of people really forgot about. This one brand right now that has not been resurrected that all of us should know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this match is screaming. And I can't even think of the name of it, but as soon as I say what it is, y'all go black. Oh, yep, I know what you're talking about. What was the promotion that was on MTV a long time ago? Oh, Society oh, X. Yes. WSX. <laughs> Wrestling Society X was my jam. That's what yeah, Xbox was the best they, on they, that one, huh? They hey, had the exploding coffin on hey, that one. I'm trying to tell you, if that if I don't get that, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, from what well, I mean, they said... From what Kenny said, the term Kenny used was exploding barbed wire is what he challenged Moxley to at the end of the show was exploding barbed wire. So from my frame of reference, from watching FMW and everything back in the day in the 90s when they were trying to get into ECW to do this here, exploding barbed wire would be they're going to take the ropes off the ring. They're going to put barbed wire up and they're going to have pyro rigged up to those barbed wire parts. So when you hit it, there'll be a big like pyro explosion on that side of the ring when you hit the barbed wire and you get hung up in the barbed wire the further version of that that jamal would love to see that i would love to see let's go all the damn way the fmw big version was exploding barbed wire but then you add on to it either landmines outside the ring where they (laughs) fly around the ring yes and then they'd have the time bomb version where they had essentially a clock where it's like it's a 15 minute match and if the match didn't end by the end of the 15 minutes essentially they're blowing up so much pyro around the ring it's like a bomb goes off it's a Bay extravaganza. You got the referee in a blast suit. You got yes. the time you got yes. the timekeeper doing a countdown to the point that God damn it, give me Justin Robertson Daly's place at one minute doing the countdown with the deal telling fans evacuate now fire alarms going off about imminent danger because the ring is going to explode. That's they how they do in Japan. The Jack stadium. They need to use the Jaguar yeah, stadium. They definitely need to use the Jack stadium. So that they have the, the, the space to do it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I definitely um, want to see it. You know, you get some, and, and you can get some fans, you know, do a thing. You can set out some chairs or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, a 15-minute promo package. Hey, after this match and promo, move over to the Jaguar Stadium. Um, your ticket will have your thing. Do that. Have the match. Or just tape it like they did at Stadium Stampede. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have the thing. Uh, do the match. Live or taped. I don't care. 
Yeah. But if it's not a time bomb match, yeah. I'm gonna need my fifty dollars back. <laughs> because you already got me fucked up thinking I'm paying for a Kenny Omega match. <laughs> you really smoking crack if you think I'm playing for a John Moxley match. <laughs> so somebody better put some C4 around the goddamn ring, or I'm I can't. Why, like, what are we doing here? I, I <laughs> it, this absolutely needs to be recorded. It needs to be cinematic. Um, no, needs- no, 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 no cinematic, no cinematic. No, fuck that. That's dumb. Well, I, I'm, all, I'm all for give me a helicopter above the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Goes I, off I we got some big overhead shots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I guess in the sense of being cinematic, I, I want painting, painting camera shots. Yeah, I don't want stationary hard cam. Yeah, I, I want painting shots. I want to get down to the gist of things. I, I, I want, I want. I want I want to feel like I'm there. I, that's how I want this to be. So oh, we'll see. It 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 it, it sounds intriguing. Nah, first- I mean, so the thing is that 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 shit sounds honestly really goofy to me. And like as a fan, <laughs> oh, J- Jamal, okay. now now be serious. Now, do you think they're not going to go full blown goofy on this? That's why I'm afraid to watch it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. John Moxley is not a deathmatch guy. I don't give a shit what you said. Kenny Omega is not a deathmatch guy either. So, and and and, I, and and this is like 100% true. I fell asleep at Full Gear, like in my chair in Baltimore, when they had the Lights Out match. That shit was long. You're right. You're right. Struggling. struggling. It, it was, it was struggling. struggling. And it, it started at 11 o'clock. Yeah. So I didn't get home I, till like one. I was done. Yeah. Um. So what this match needs to be. If it's a time bomb match, then it would be 20 minutes <laughs> and the ring is surrounded by planks of C4. Um, the ring ropes have been replaced by electrified barbed wire. That's where your pyro comes from because it's juiced at 12,000 volts. Um, and then, of course, you know, pinfall, submission, or escape the ring. Yeah. But there is no escape because it's a time bomb match. If I don't see Aubrey Edwards in an EOD suit, you know, <laughs> I, I like the like the the whole the whole deal. I mean, I'm talking about the whole deal. And yes, this sounds gruesome and it, and it looks grotesque, but honestly, it's it's pretty safe. It it, yeah. it really is pretty safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I need whatever the invoice. Call Lowe's right now. We need all the light tubes to go. <laughs> all of them. Now, right. there's a difference between what New Jack did and, you know, we're not trying to take this into a big ground situation. We're not trying to make this a mass transit incident. We don't need a, a Nick Mondo powerbomb off the roof. You know, tell Ian Rotten he can stay home. We don't need that. But there is an art to the deathmatch, and I hope that they at least attempt to bring it out. Or die trying. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, one other thing really quick. Um, Sting, who I huge fan, but uh, haven't expressed, but I will say now I have not been a super fan of what they've been doing to him constantly coming out with announcements. And like, I don't know, I just feel like the bookings has been kind of repetitive. Um, and you know, him having an announcement, etc., etc. But this week he finally took a bump. Um, I I, I, some people cringe. Some people were like, "Okay," um, and I guess the biggest question right now is just like, what, what do we expect with Sting, and what do we expect of, of this match that he has coming up? Um, 
I, I'm going to say this just for the record, because I know a lot of people, you know, want to think back to him not being able to be cleared with WWE. Sting has what the neck injury, right? He suffered from spinal stenosis. Yeah, right, right. Suffered with uh, Seth Rollins and stuff like that. And regardless, uh, at some point he had to go get healed or, you know, had a procedure done. And WWE decided they weren't going to uh, clear him. And that's their prerogative. I mean, at the same time, too, it's whenever you clear somebody, it becomes a liability. And I don't think it was worth the risk in clearing him to work and do whatever he wanted to do. And WWE is just really good at staying away from lawsuits outside of XFL. But even that didn't really uh, blow but too much smoke. But anyway, nonetheless, he's with AW now and he's in the ring. He's there every week. He's cleared. He's took a bump. He has a match coming up. And I think that, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt that whatever, you know, him, whatever he did not want to do with WWE to get clear or whatever wiggle room that they weren't allowing, you know, he wanted to get back and he did what he had to do. So you have to just take it to the uh, fact that he did the proper steps to getting back healthy. AW assessed it. They cleared him. So he's good to go. I mean, medicines came a long way. I always loop back to Peyton Manning getting that neck surgery overseas and Kobe Bryant getting it overseas. And that really uh, extended their, both of their careers where um, that medicine and that practice wasn't quite approved here yet, but they had to go out their way to go do it. NFL, obviously, and the NBA was not happy about it, but nonetheless, here, here they are. And I'm guessing it's probably one of those same circumstances with WWE where they didn't want it unless it was their doctors or whoever, and he did whatever he had to do to get it done. Uh, but he took the bump. It looked all right. Um, I don't expect much from this match. I still expect for it to be super protective. If it's not a recorded cinematic match and it is live, then I still expect for it to be very protected. And I think that's why you sell the story now. One powerbomb puts him down. So you know that he has an aggravated injury. So he's able to sell certain things longer than he should. And that is used weapons and whatnot. And ultimately, you know, putting over Darby Island is the ultimate purpose with this anyway. So I like, I'm not expecting a lot, even as a huge fan. And I don't think people should be really uptight about it. I think it's just one of those type of things where it's like, Everybody got injuries. Matt Hardy is out there still. Um, and, and and a ton of other people who sustained really serious injuries that are still wrestling. So I don't think, you know, even with his age, I think you just have to take with a grain of salt that he's definitely in the know of his own body. And I think that we just, as fans, should just, you know, allow it to just, you know, go with the flow, you know? It's not one of those type of things where, you know, he suffered a concussion and they put him... <laughs> hey, who, Marcellus, who was that with the... um? Minnesota Vikings, I think it was. Or was it or was it the Texans who got hit so hard, he got concussed, and his lineman picked him up and put him back at the line and he ran another snap? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I, I'm gonna have to look this up. I know <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what his name. I mean, I, I know exactly what it looks like now that uh-huh. I can't think of his name. But I mean, like it's not gonna be something as dangerous as right. that right there. Right. So um I will, so I, I will I say this. I will say, I'm sorry, I will say this just to add into that. I, I really think that, once again, when I saw it, I didn't cringe. Um, to me, it was hard. But still, when you think about a powerbomb, I think people know how to position themselves with powerbombs to still make it a safe maneuver. And I think Sting wouldn't have done that move if he at least didn't practice it or at least took some, like, 
drops or falls or whatever to see how he can brace himself on that. But like you said, two chains, I think the match is going to be very protected at 60, 61 years old. I think Sting looks better than what Ric Flair looked at at 60 and 61 years old, Um, even though we're cringing about his past neck injury or what we saw last in WWE. But I don't expect much, much from this match. But his name still carries. You can see he could still be okay by taking this bump, but he shouldn't take a lot of them at 60 plus years old. Yeah, that was the thing for me. It's like if you're going to have Sting taking power bombs, they better be few and far between. Yep. My assumption all along has been that this is going to be a cinematic match. So you can do every trick in the book to hide what he's doing. And also what Jamal was, I mean, uh, what Two James was just saying earlier. Maybe the part of the idea is that, okay, we're by doing this power bomb, we're establishing Agreed. that you do one move on Sting. And then you're going to have to really, really wait for him to take something else. We're going to put over the idea that one move getting hit on him is like five moves getting hit on somebody else. So maybe mm-hmm, that's part yeah. of the idea. Maybe that's going to be done to protect him. Honestly, my biggest issue is Sting's been on every damn week practically. Yeah. And yeah. the big thing is they have quickly turned Sting into just another guy. He mm-hmm. just He's there all the time. It should be a lot more special in my mind to see Sting on AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And hope maybe once they do this first match, maybe they'll change that. But how many times we gotta see him just standing there or pointing mm-hmm. the bat? It's just this ain't this ain't WCW in '98, you know? It's like <laughs> right. I, I don't see what right. it's doing for Darby to just have him stand around there. So I wouldn't have him on TV nearly as much because the the novelty of it feels like it's totally gone at this point compared to when he first showed up. Now he's just old man Winter. So <laughs> we'll <laughs> old see. Man uh, so here's where I don't care. <laughs> it's it's not that Sting. Um, the bigger problem with Sting is not that he took a bump, um, because I really don't care about that. If he he knows what the risks are, he knows his body and what he has. He got the surgery on everything. He's a six million dollar man now, and if he feels that he can do a thing. Nobody's beating down Sting's retirement home door in, in Florida to tell him to get his walker over to the uh, to the Jaguar Stadium, to Daly's place, so he can do this thing. No, I mean he he is he's doing it now. The question is, who does Sting help? Because Darby was already a star uh, and, and a rising star in AEW before Sting got there. Um, now the internet's just kind of like turning into a, a meme at this point, like. Sting may win the match, but he's not going to outrun CPS because of those child sports payments. <laughs> you know, uh, from from Darby's father. I mean, like, that's that's what it's become. Personally, yes, they did start the feud maybe two weeks too early, and they started to build. You know, what should have been a three or four week build. They they have it at five weeks, six weeks. Maybe that is too long. But as far as him working the match. I say put Sting in the death match with uh, Moxley and uh, Omega. <laughs> yeah, he's already got the baseball bat. So it's it's really more to the point of just get it on with already. And considering that we have, you know, three weeks left to go, you know, but to the pay-per-view, and they just now take it to the next level where Sting is actually getting an interaction. Uh, you know, if, if, if he's there, and obviously he's there, the street fight has been announced. So why are we all of a sudden like, Oh, oh no! Sting's actually going to wrestle. This is this is horrible. It, it's it's not. He knows that he's doing the match, so he's taking. So no shit, he's taking a bump. 
Like, what did you expect? Like, Sting to just, like, come in on his wheelchair and, 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 and just, like, point his bat from the Raptors every single time for a year? You would, you would think that after they did it for, like, the last five weeks. <laughs> well, eventually he's going to have to take some bumps because he's working the match, which is a street fight. Yeah. yeah. So, and also it doesn't really make sense because if they just jump Darby every week and stuff him in a body bag and drag him around town, which is horrible imagery. Car- carnival but, stunts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like all this, uh, all this stuff, and you know, Darby's gets like set on fire. Like Darby, we didn't beat you up that bad. Like, yeah, but I like the paint. You know, like <laughs> that. That shit is goofy as all hell too. So, uh, realistically, I think the part of the problem is is that you want to see Sting, but you don't want to see him do anything. Well, you can't have it both ways. The match is booked. They booked the match because Sting wants to be in the match. Mm-hmm. They don't have six weeks of storytelling to build. The match is already booked, and they booked it a month in advance. Mm-hmm. It was the first match booked for the pay per view. Yes, so what mm-hmm. the hell is there to do until the pay per view happens? Mm-hmm. They should just table it. Maybe let Team Taz get into some other shenanigans, and then have the match. Realistically, I don't think Team Taz works, and honestly, I would break them up. Um, it has done nothing for Brian Cage. Ricky Starks doesn't need them. He doesn't really fit in. Because Ricky Starks too pretty for Taz. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he he's I mean, got enough charisma that he don't need Taz out there. Taz don't add nothing to him. Taz doesn't add anything to Ricky Starks. Um, Cage doesn't need a mouthpiece um, because he's good enough on his on his own. And I honestly, always thought I always thought that was weird to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just doesn't fit. Now Hobbs, on the other hand, who came out of nowhere because thanks to Dark, um, he got a chance to prove himself. He could use the rub from Taz. He has that look and that toughness and that grit that you see that sneer um, from Will Hobbs is goddamn terrifying. And Taz is a guy that would be should be that mouthpiece. Um, that, you know, if, if Hobbs is going to be the Black Paul um, Brock Lesnar, then Taz could be the Black Paul Hayden. And that's, or Italian, or whatever the hell he is. But um, but that's where we can go with that. But then only leaves Hobbs and his son, Tyler. So, I don't know what Team Taz is doing. They really need to just shelve this to the go-home show on the third and just to remind you that this match is actually happening. Um, and they really don't need uh, Sting at all. And maybe they, maybe that's what they do. He took the bump, and they're like, nope. Going to rest up for three weeks until the pay-per-view because I'm not doing this shit again. Sorry, Darby. Uh, but, yeah, they need to just get on with it real quick. And, actually, they could drop this whole storyline for right now and pick it up after the, at the pay-per-view and give the women's matches, I don't know, the time they need to do a tournament. <laughs> Oops. Yep. Oops is right. All right, Jamal, you got some news so we can wrap up for the show? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so about the big bump that Sting took, uh, Tony Schiavone on the AEW after show, which is a thing apparently. Um, didn't know that, but sure. Um, he was asked, why in the blue hell would you let Sting take a bump like that? And Tony says, and I quote, because obviously he wants to, and obviously he thinks it's good for the business. And by the way, scary as they may be, and I know what you're getting at. He's okay. So there you go. Um, and, and that's that's that's. I think we should have a little bit more faith in the talent to be talent. Um, Sting is taking buckle bombs for 97 years. He's taking power bombs for 125 years, and you know he's been injured doing less stuff. It, it happens, and it's unfortunate, but it does happen. Um, Conan. Hmm. Yeah, he's, 
he's in a bad way. So mm. he's uh, hospitalized apparently with a kidney issue. Um, allegedly, he has uh, tested positive for COVID-19 to boot. So uh, Hugo Savinovich, um, who was the former WWE Spanish announce guy, um, he said, and this is translated from Spanish, that Conan has just confirmed to him that he's tested for COVID-19, which is why he is um, hospitalized. So he's obviously high risk. Um, so yeah, it puts you, if you if you if you're doing the prayer thing, uh, you know, say something to whoever will believe you to uh, put a good word in for Conan because uh, COVID's not a joke, folks, and um, especially with those with pre-existing conditions. So we've talked at length about um, the WWE and their third-party stuff and and how it affects people and. Well, what about people that it doesn't affect? So we know that NXT really doesn't count because it's NXT. But what about other third-party people, uh, third-party uh, engagements that people have? For example, Sami Zayn. He does. He has his um, charity, uh, Sami for Syria. That is, that's a third party. It is a charity, but. Would Sammy have to give that up? And what exactly would that look like? Um, it The rules really aren't clear on this from their social media policy, but according to the Wrestling Observer, um, taking a photo in front of a restaurant wouldn't necessarily be a punishable offense, but if they were paid to promote that restaurant, that would be something different. Um, charities are included in the social media uh, third-party edict, but they will be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. So basically, don't know until you try. Um, But that is interesting to see that they would allow one charity promotion to go, but another one wouldn't, which also makes sense. If you're like, Susie G. Komen is partnered with the WWE, and whoever their rival is in the breast cancer awareness uh, you know, spectrum would be probably be not be somebody that you want a WWE star to partner with. If Snickers will be the official um, candy bar uh, host of WrestleMania, sponsor of WrestleMania, so it would not do anyone any good to hold up like an Almond Joy uh, right. and be promoting that. So I understand what WWE is trying to do, but the cat's well away from the bag. Let alone just getting out of it, and it will be interesting to see who they actually come down on. And who they let slide, um, and or who they take a cut out of, because Austin Creed definitely writing some checks. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the last thing, and this is something that I didn't realize that was happening, but apparently, uh, remember when the NFL uh, alumnus, they uh, a lot of those guys went to court over uh, the NFL and their post-career injuries, whether that was PTSD or CTE or a lot of just the post-traumatic stress that they're dealing with from coming from a playing career. So some WWF alumnus have done the same thing. And they've basically taken it to court and have sued the WWE in like a class action lawsuit um, and saying that the WWE is directly responsible for their injuries and that have diminish their quality of life after the career. And of course, because of the way the contract works, once they're done, they're done, and WWE is, is it's over. So 
it would be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but apparently that court case has um, between this the pursuance and WWE uh, is, may actually reach the Supreme Court. So I, you know, WWE has uh, an army of pit bull lawyers. It will be interesting to see how far this goes and what this actually means if it does set the precedent that you could sue WWE for your injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings me back to what Paige said when she was going on her rant where she wasn't allowed to do third-party stuff. She said, no, I, I broke my neck for this company. That may actually be a legal precedent in court if this thing actually holds up where, uh, you know, if they are have, do have quality of life issues as a result of their wrestling career, could WWE be held responsible for it? That would be... Let it be interested to see how that works out, especially considering the status of independent contractors exclusively working for WWE. So um, interesting stuff there. And that's the news for this week. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it then. Um, so anyway, just just you know how we start off the show, everybody in Texas, uh, including our coach Damian, definitely be safe. Prayers to you all. Hopefully things get better down there soon. Uh, Damien has already messaged me, say he'll be back next week. Uh, You know, things are looking better on his end. Uh, But other than that, uh, we'll be back each and every Thursday at 8 p.m. for our live show. You can catch the podcast on replay um, everywhere. But you can just go to our website, BigGoBeltGroup.com, to see it right on the front page and all our other news and updates. And by the way, the person I was talking about in the NFL, Case Keenum, when he was with the... the, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he he was with this, the 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 Rams, and he got hit by um he he, he they playing the Ravens and like he got murdered, and then his lineman was like, "Hey, bro, get up!" And then they <laughs> carried them to the line, and he played another snap, which he was don't know how, but he did. So, but yeah, uh, if you look at that footage, it's on YouTube. It's, it's like horrendous, but nonetheless, yeah, like Jamal said, like you know, just have good faith that these people are going to do what they got to do in their professional. By hell, Sting is a professional. A legend, a Hall of Famer. He knows what he's doing out there, so yeah. just let it go. So, But we'll be back next week. And uh, by the way, stop making up stories about Kyle O'Reilly and whatnot. Um, that stuff <laughs> is not cool. No, <laughs> we want to give y'all the time of day for all those folks out here running their own little stories and get mad at WWE because they didn't confirm your story or whatever it may be, but whatever. <laughs> <Then that's, laughs> we'll catch y'all next week. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> Bye.